Hey everyone, it's Beverly Hallberg. Welcome to a special pop-up episode of She Thinks, your favorite podcast from the Independent Women's Forum where we talk with women and sometimes men about the policy issues that impact you and the people you care about most. Enjoy. I'm Hadley Heath-Manning, Director of Policy for Independent Women's Forum and your host for today's special pop-up edition of the She Thinks podcast. And today we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Marty McCary on the line. Dr. McCary is a New York Times bestselling author and Johns Hopkins surgeon and professor of health policy. His recent book, The Price We Pay, which I've read and, and thoroughly enjoyed, takes on surprise medical bills and reveals how individuals and businesses can lower their, their health care costs. Isn't that something uh, that we're all interested in? Uh, Steve Forbes, a friend of IWF, has described this new book as a must-read for every American. I second that endorsement. Uh, so thank you, Dr. McCary, for joining our podcast today. <laughs> Great to be with you, Hadley. Well, you know, the subtitle of your book, I think, is going to catch a lot of eyes. The subtitle of the book is What Broke American Healthcare and How to Fix It. I mean, this is a very pertinent question. I think healthcare was the number one issue that voters cited in their 2018 exit polls in the midterm elections. So I, I don't want to ask you for a spoiler, but if you had to summarize what broke American healthcare, let's say you had to do it in just one word, what would you say? Uh, what would be that word? <laughs> well, can I use two words? Um, sure, sure. Ap- appropriateness and pricing. So in other words, um, we've had a crisis of appropriateness in medicine. Too much medical care, overtreatment, some undertreatment, but the appropriateness of care has been a giant mismatch. That's issue number one. Root cause number two of our healthcare mess is pricing failures. And that's these are embarrassingly simple to fix. The pricing failures uh, initiative um, calls for price transparency, honest billing practices, and these are the issues that are resonating with everyday Americans right now. People are getting hammered with their medical bills. And it's healthcare surprised everybody as being number one during the midterm elections as the number one issue. Healthcare will be number one in the presidential elections that are coming up. And it's not the traditional back and forth Republican Democrat issues. It is the fact that Americans are getting hammered with medical bills. Businesses are getting hammered with their healthcare costs. And th- these are the fundamental issues of our era. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a patient, if you're a Republican or Democrat, we're all experiencing the same frustrations. I'm curious about your experience writing The Price We Pay, because as I was reading it, you know, I was overwhelmed at the amount of data and research and also personal stories um, that demonstrate what you're talking about, the lack of appropriateness, the lack of price transparency, just the, the difficulty that people have navigating American health care. But you also demonstrate that there are some glimmers of hope in our current system. So what was your experience writing the book? What was something that surprised you in your research? Well, Hadley, I loved writing this book, doing the research, which involved traveling to 22 cities over two years. I talked to insurance CEOs, hospital executives, doctors, pharma, middlemen, pharmacies, um, insurance brokers, 
and most importantly, patients, who I still think are the real experts in healthcare. Um, but I learned a ton. I really wanted to sort of understand the business of medicine with a total command of the field, to be able to explain every aspect of it and to encapsulate what's broken and how we fix it. So for everything broken that I present in the book is a solution and disruptor who is already fixing healthcare in a small pocket somewhere, and that story needs to be told. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw the movie The Big Short. Um, yeah. Have you seen that film? Yeah. Good. <laughs> it was a great film, wasn't it? It um, took a very complex subject, even a boring subject, if you will. The same thing people ascribe to um, healthcare. Complex, wonky, boring, don't bother me with it. The Big Short took the banking industry and broke it down in very simple and easy to understand terms so anybody could understand. You know, it's actually a lot simpler than we're told to believe. It's as simple as banks spending money they don't have. They're spending borrowed money. They're selling toxic assets. They're trading things that um, they're, they're sort of betting on their competitors. And they're paying ratings agencies to give them inflated ratings. So I was so impressed at how this film took a very complex industry and broke it down for the everyday American, where you could leave that film and understand, now I understand exactly how the banking industry worked. And I wanted to do the same for healthcare. So um, that was this awesome um, trip for two years across America, talking to folks. And I think what I um, left with was an incredible sense of optimism hmm. that people are fed up, that there are great solutions being um, used in the market, that experiments with price transparency, with direct employer purchasing of health care, with cutting through the middlemen, cutting out the money games, making health care simple, uh, making it more accessible, um, lowering drug pricing. These were things that we've already fixed in small pockets, in little experiments around the country. We just need to get the story out. And after yeah. all, that's why somebody should write a book, right. is if you feel there's a story that needs to be told that is not currently being told. Right. I'm so encouraged to hear that because I think in my conversations with a lot of my friends, there's just a lot of sort of heavy hearts and head shaking, like, oh, healthcare, it's so broken. You know, it's almost overwhelmingly broken. So it's nice to hear that there are reasons uh, for optimism. And I mentioned my friend group because, uh, ironically, I, I have a lot of doctors as friends. I'm married to an MD, and, and a lot of our friends are completing residency or have just recently completed residency. And I appreciate that you acknowledge the role of physicians in this book and caring not just for their patients' health, but also, you know, generally for the health of our healthcare system. So I'm curious what you think doctors specifically can do or should do uh, to help fix healthcare in the U.S. Well, you're absolutely right. Doctors and nurses, medical profession professionals at every level, especially the millennials, who, as a part of their generation, believe in social justice, they are rising up and they are saying the solution is as simple as getting back to our mission. We need to just restore that great heritage. You know, Hadley, when most U.S. hospitals were founded, they were founded with a charter to take care of the sick and injured in their community, regardless of, quote unquote, race, ethnicity, creed or one's ability to pay. 
That's our incredible heritage. Most hospitals were started by churches. Most hospitals took care of anybody. It didn't matter who you were. They were there to serve. Um, hospitals today still hold these incredible mission statements. Uh-huh. But when you go to the hospital, you can have a simple treatment and get your life financially ruined by these crazy surprise and overinflated bills. We've even discovered a pattern where some hospitals will aggressively sue patients in court and garnish their wages. Mm-hmm. That is not who we are. That is not our heritage. And doctors and nurses are right to just absolutely stand against that, to talk to their own hospital leaders, to dispel the myths out there that bills are overpriced in order to compensate for charity care. That's mm-hmm. one of the great myths out mm-hmm. there. So in medicine, we're taught medical literacy, but we're not taught healthcare literacy. And that's why I wanted to write the book, The Price We Pay. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You, you mentioned sort of the foundational mission that so many hospitals had long ago. And I think there's a lot of cynicism today towards the healthcare system and, and distrust, even especially because of the problem you mentioned. And it has to do with, with billing and the lack of price transparency, the way that those bills can wreck us financially, um, as well as the extreme price variation. And you offer several examples of this in the book where patients might have a, a procedure and they look at two different hospitals or you go look at two different hospitals and you find two extremely different prices for the same thing. So why is this, Dr. McCary? Why do we have such price variation in healthcare? Because it doesn't seem like we have this in other markets. Um, why the lack of price transparency and the extreme price variation? Well, Hadley, I honestly believe, as I met with so many people who work in the business of medicine, that we don't have bad people. Actually, everybody who's in healthcare at every level, from administration to um, being a physical therapist to office assistant, they go into medicine for one central unifying reason, and it's a sense of compassion. They want to dedicate their lives to helping people. The soul yearns for a sense of purpose in life, and you see that all over healthcare. We have great people. But they're working in a bad system where the incentives now are so perverse, they're doing things that medical professionals themselves find despicable and oftentimes internalize rather than have a vehicle to speak openly about. I think if you look at the workload on American hospitals, they've been pounded with regulatory requirements and other burdens. They have not had the time or the need to produce an honest and fair price itemized to the service that's being provided. Now, we're not talking about getting shot and being in the ICU. You're never going to get a bill or an estimate ahead of time for that. We're talking about the 60% of healthcare that is shoppable. We're talking about the researcher that called 100 U.S. hospitals that do heart surgery and asked, how much is is a heart bypass cabbage procedure? Only half the hospitals could give him an answer after he called back and called back and fought. And of those who gave him an answer, the price ranged from 44,000 to almost half a million for the same procedure. And all the outcomes are publicly available. And he found there was no association between quality and price. It's been haphazard. It's random. And we can do better. 
Yeah, that's uh, so how can we do better? <laughs> because this is, this is sort of my next question for you. When it comes to price transparency, because when you mentioned, you know, calling back and calling back, I think everybody's had this experience at one point or another where your insurance coverage, you know, the, the hospital or the doctor didn't have the right one or the, the hospital had it, but the doctor's group didn't. Or there was a doctor who treated you while you were in the hospital that it happened to be out of network and then you get a surprise bill for that. So what can we do to address some of these problems? How can we give patients better tools so that when they are consuming that 60% of services that are shoppable, if they want to comparison shop to save money or if they just want to plan ahead so they know what to expect to pay out of pocket, how can we give them better tools? How can we solve this problem of, of getting that better pricing information? Well, good things are happening right now, Hadley. And, you know, as of earlier this year, Medicare announced that every hospital has to disclose their sticker prices. Now, we know those are not the real prices, but it's a first step. I've been encouraging Google and other patient navigation sites to provide an average markup for a hospital when somebody goes to look up a hospital that increases accountability and creates more transparency. I've encouraged U.S. News World Report and Medicare when they rank hospitals in the United States to use the billing quality. Does the hospital use predatory billing practices? Mm. Do they sue patients or do they have good, honest, forgiving, merciful policies yeah. with low-income patients. And so we can, we're seeing more transparency. We're seeing more accountability. And although only some patients will use real prices to shop, not everybody, but some will, they, they serve as proxy shoppers and drive the entire marketplace. Hmm. Also, employers, employers that sponsor health plans for their employees, they are proxy shoppers of healthcare. For example, one guy who has a business in Boston saw that the price of delivering a baby, that is a standard uncomplicated vaginal delivery, ranges from $8,000 to $40,000 in Boston for the identical service with the same quality. Of course, he wants his employees to go to the $8,000 hospitals, but right. he doesn't want to have to tell them where, where they can and can't go. So he says, if you go to the $8,000 hospitals, you will get free diapers and wipes for a year. There you go. <laughs> and everybody gets where everybody went. Yeah, I think I would too. <laughs> so we're seeing proxy shoppers. We're seeing employers do really creative things. We're seeing Medicare make charge master pricing available. We're seeing more accountability with the markup. And soon we're going to see patient navigation apps and tools and search engines uh, show what a hospital's average markup is when when you consider going there for your care. Yeah, gosh, we live in the information age, and there's an app for everything. There's just, you know so much information that's available to us at our fingertips. Imagine what some really innovative entrepreneurs could do with better pricing information, and that they're already doing with uh, some pricing information that we have available. And it's, it's I'm glad you mentioned the proxy shopper point because one piece of pushback I often get when I advocate for greater price transparency in healthcare aside from this idea that um you know people patients aren't smart enough to to shop around or that people are going to be unconscious in the back of an ambulance unable to shop around I can see that we're not going to be shopping when we're unconscious but for the pieces that are shoppable we're seeing this trend towards higher and higher deductibles and health insurance and certainly there's a segment of the market where out-of-pocket cost people are very sensitive to that and and those people will be proxy shoppers so I think that's that's an important point um, but I wanted to mention 
you know, a couple of the lines that I read in your book that just stopped me in my tracks. Um, <laughs> for example, you wrote that half of stage four breast cancer patients have bills in collections. Whoa. I mean, as a woman yeah. and as someone, I mean, all of us have a friend or family member who's been touched by breast cancer, you know, or any type of cancer, really, to imagine someone who's going through chemotherapy or going through these you know, incredibly difficult um treatments where their, their lives are literally on the line. And then to think that they're getting calls from debt collectors on top of that. And, and you highlight the predatory practices of several hospitals. Um, you talk about the air ambulance services. I mean, this stuff in the book, everybody needs to go buy the book and read it, but be prepared to have your blood pressure go up while you're reading this book. I told my husband, um, I, I told him to read the book because, as I mentioned, he's, he's a hospitalist. I said, but you've got to be careful reading this because you'll become angry um, on behalf of your patients, just at what patients are up against. So I, I appreciate that you mentioned the progress that we're making, but some of the, the problems are just so infuriating. Um, I mean, what what efforts um, have been made to help patients, especially these patients that are in just terrible circumstances? How can we help those vulnerable segments of society and those patients? Um, how can we help them navigate this landmine uh, field of of medical billing? Well, Hadley, you know, I um I, I did try, as you said in in the book, the price we pay to put bright spots uh, throughout the book, but it's in part to, sh to show how good things are happening, but in part to manage the outrage because it is outrageous. I mean, talk to doctors and nurses across America. They are outraged right now. People trust us to the point of putting a knife to their skin within a second of meeting us sometimes. Yeah. Or they'll tell a nurse in the emergency room secrets they've never told their spouse of 50 years within a minute of meeting them. Why? because of the incredible heritage of trust in the medical profession. Hospitals have historically been a safe haven. And what we're seeing right now is that these crazy and outrageous, unconscionable billing practices where medicine has adopted a, a business model of price gouging in some places is eroding that public trust. And people are getting crushed out there. People are getting hammered by these bills. And, you know, I'm a cancer surgeon. I'm constantly reminded how short life is. Yeah. And people have asked me, why are you working on this on this sort of issue of the public trust and restoring medicine to its mission and, and addressing, you know, burnout in the medical community? You know what? A quarter of all patients out there don't trust us anymore. And it's because of drug prices and medical bills and surprise bills and price gouging and gotcha statements um, by pre-authorization contracts. These are the money games of medicine, and enough is enough. People are saying, can we get back to the bedside art of taking care of patients? The modern business of medicine um, has created tens of thousands of millionaires who are not patient-facing we're seeing money go into the system that is so wasteful, administrative waste, and I would even, you know, suggest clinical waste. And we already spend enough money to provide every American with gold-plated health care. We just need to cut the waste. And I think that's a bipartisan message. I yeah. think we're seeing senators resonate. I've taken patients that have been gotten crazy bills and been sued, and I've taken them right to the White House and had them yeah. tell their story directly to our, our political leaders.
um, because these are not partisan issues. These are common sense issues. Well, I want to ask you a, a sort of political question, but first of all, I, I want to give people a sort of a, a pick me up <laughs> because, you know, as in as in your book, there's some dark spots, but there's also some bright spots. Um, you highlighted a, a sort of innovative model in in the book in the solutions section. Um, I hope I say this right. Is it Iora Health? Yeah, Iora okay. Health. Okay. Tell us about Iora Health and, and why their model is sort of a reason for hope. It, it sounds great. I, I would be curious, you know, once you explain the model, my question would be, how do we make it so that more Americans can use a model like this? What changes would be necessary to to sort of expand these bright spots of, of hope that are in pockets, pockets where you say we're solving some of these problems, but how do we scale those things up so that more Americans can have the benefit of those bright spots. Well, Hadley, I loved my time visiting the the Iora clinics and the Chen Med clinics alike. These are refreshing, you know, bright spots in healthcare that are on the brink of going national and they need support. They need people to know about what they're doing and that's why I wrote the book The Price We Pay. Iora and Chen Med the same, they take in patients and forget about all billing. They are paid on a global capitation level. That means they're paid lump sum for a group of patients, a large group, sometimes a group of Medicare beneficiaries on a Medicare Advantage plan. But that clinic or that group of clinics is responsible for a population of people, say uh, 4,000 people that live in the community. And they can do whatever they believe in their own medical judgment is best for their long-term health. They'll visit their home if they need to. They will uh, review all their medications and do what we call a deep prescribing review. They've got bags of medications where they realize people don't need to be on these things, and people bring in their meds and they take them off because they switch them to lifestyle-based um, therapies and food is medicine and uh, exercise and diabetes cooking classes, and they don't have any billing. Their doctors are not burdened by it. The doctors are sort of relieved. They come from billing practices, and they realize, hey, I can just do what's in the best interest of the patient. And if you look at the ChenMed example, they take all the downstream financial risk of the patient. That is, they're paid this lump sum amount on, you know, electronically. It's not a, an exchange. And basically, over a short period of time, um, they assume the long-term downstream consequences of whatever happens to that patient. So if you need a, an open-heart surgery, you need a colonoscopy, you name it, they are picking the high-value doctors in the area. After all, who knows best about quality than the primary care doctors on that lo in that location? So they're not referring you to their golf buddy. They're referring you to the doctor with the best outcomes that has a fair price, not necessarily a low price, but a fair price, and they assume those downstream financial costs of the patients. So they are a true medical home. They're a true gatekeeper. They're practicing the art of medicine. They've converted their billing room in the clinic to a, a, a lifestyle medicine room where they're teaching them, um, you know, things they can do better. It's yeah. awesome. Iora yeah. and Med, they're awesome. 
Yeah, that's that's so refreshing to hear that there are, you know, potential paths forward for healthier lives, but also just a healthier health care system. Um, but the way things stand today, and I promised our listeners a political question, people are so frustrated that they're ready to just throw in the towel. They're ready to say we need something completely different, just scrap the current health care system that we have. Um, and this is sort of a hot topic, but they say we just need Medicare for all. And and you mentioned Medicare rates throughout the book sort of as a comparison or contrast with other prices that other hospitals charge. Um, and the, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office just issued a report on Medicare for all. Um, they said that if we move to a system like this, it might expand you know, coverage for preventive care and other benefits that um, may ultimately improve people's health. But the CBO also said that extending coverage to more Americans could produce longer wait times and reduce access to care if there weren't enough health workers. So I'm curious if you agree with the CBO's analysis, why or why not, and just sort of a general take on Medicare for all. Well, I understand how people are attracted to the concept of Medicare for all because they're sick of the current system and they're sick of the middlemen and the pricing failures. But you look at any country that has adopted that type of model over the long term, they massively underfund it over time, tightening the belt year after year. It's irresistible. All governments do it everywhere in the world where it's been used. You have in 10 or 20 years a massively dilapidated healthcare system. I think we can do better. Uh, we're the United States. We've been the leaders in medicine and innovation in uh, doing things, putting patients at the center and adopting what is really a democratic model for uh, medicine. So I think we can do a lot better. Listen, Dr. McCary, I know you're a doctor. You got to go see patients. You got to continue researching how to restore, you know, the public trust and healthcare providers and, and, you know, the art of practicing medicine, as you mentioned. But as we close, I want to ask you, where can people go to learn more about your work and your books and specifically uh, this new book, The Price We Pay? Well, thank you, Hadley. The, the Price We Pay is available online and, and uh, momentarily everywhere books are sold. And our work is really to help people who cannot afford their medical bills, and we do that by defending them either to the hospitals or sometimes in court to um, explain that the hospital shaking down people for overpriced bills violates their mission and the charter of many of these hospitals. So we want to remind them of why we're all in healthcare. And our group is called Restoring Medicine. It's at restoringmedicine.org. And we're on Facebook. And we, of course, love all the tremendous support out there. It's been awesome. And so thank you so much for having me on this. You're doing great work. And uh, really a pleasure to finally meet you here. Yeah, well, thank you, Dr. McCary. I appreciate uh, knowing a physician who's not just in the, the the business of medicine, but really in the art of practicing medicine, caring for patients and caring for American healthcare. And I, like I said, I really enjoyed the book. I appreciate the work you're doing. I think we need to get more physicians and more patients um, sort of aware and involved in this effort to um, put doctors and patients back at the center of American healthcare. Because, you know, I think the frustrations today come from Maybe there's, you know, too much corporate control or maybe there's there's too much um, involvement, as you mentioned, from those regulations and sort of the bureaucratic demands on hospitals and so forth. But it really shouldn't be 
either way. It shouldn't be a, a big government model and it shouldn't be a big business model. It should be about doctors and patients. And so I appreciate your efforts to move us in that right direction. And we really appreciate your time today. Again, our guest has been Dr. Marty McCary. His book is The Price We Pay. I encourage you all to, to go get a copy and read it. Uh, this has been another edition of Independent Women's Forum She Thinks podcast. Uh, if you liked it, please share it and subscribe and become a follower of our work at IW. Wf.org. 